I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 20 million pound player. No, probably not. I mean, it's Crystal Palace, mate. It's not Real Madrid. Madrid, Madrid, Madrid. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for the normal football podcast on a Wednesday. The front three. What's unusual about this one is Adam's not on all the way through, hence why you hear my voice at the beginning. Dave, it's good to have you with me. Cheers, mate. How are you, Lawrence? I'm I'm okay. Everyone in London's sick this week. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. I'm getting away. Uh, from London. Kristen, speaking of getting away from London, Kristen subs in for Adam tonight. Kristen, it's lovely to have you. I'm warm and I'm ready. Good. Uh, speaking of which, uh, let's talk about the warm, ready games which were served up for us just on Wednesday evening. Um, guys, can we just quickly brush upon Everton FC absolutely thrashing Newcastle? Kristen, uh, you said on Twitter that, that there was a better yardstick than this match for Newcastle. I, I think West Brom will be a better yardstick. I, I noticed something, and we'll come on to talk to this when I was at the Stadium Light this week, that the first kind of 10, 15 minutes, because Sunderland started really energetically, yeah. it got the crowd on side, and I think that in turn built a further momentum and they helped each other along. Yeah, I, I think getting those new players at home, where in fairness Newcastle I think have been better this season anyway, I think you'll you'll potentially see how close or far away they are to kind of reaching their, their peak, which is a team realistically that's probably 12th to maybe 10th. I think when when it's their day, the problem is it just hasn't been their day very often this season. It's funny that you do, you mentioned Newcastle because we interview the true Geordie later on in this podcast and he, he talks a lot about those signings in January. He, uh, he expresses opinions about those uh, in his normal eloquent way. I didn't trail that properly and rightly... So, because most people probably just came here just for that. I feel them clicking ahead now. Um, but, Kristen, they were beaten 3-0. And, uh, you know, the main instigator of that victory, Ross Barkley, is what most people are going to say. But you're saying almost a little bit different to that. I'm saying in the sense that, again, I find myself quite frustrated when I watch Ross Barkley. I, I find him quite ponderous on the ball. And I know that the, the Goodison Park crowd kind of shared the same sentiment because yeah. they kind of not jeered him per se, but kind of voiced a bit of frustration when he would hold on to the ball and he, he would want to try and either beat his man or do something game-defining every time he picked up the ball. And I, I do find him quite a frustrating player to watch and, and it's something that I'm not really sure if, if Martinez can coach out of him because it's entirely a personal thing how long you hold on to the ball for. Interesting. Uh, and <clears throat> Dave, do you agree with that? I mean, you know, there, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of 
theory that, you know, I mean, Mourinho hates the ball hanging around in midfield, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where if you lose the ball in that area, it's very, very dangerous. Um, with Barkley, I do kind of agree there is that, that moment where he could play the simple passes. It's interesting if you compare him to someone like Jun- Julian Weigel, you know, young, the young German, 20 years old. He gets the ball away very, very quickly. Obviously, different position. Mm. Plays more deeper in midfield, but it's similar. They're both sort of central midfielders. Weigel will make play the easy pass, keep the ball, whereas Barkley will always try and try something. I think what Krista mentioned before we started recording is that sometimes that isn't the right answer. Sometimes it is just get it, shift it, get it, shift it. Don't lose the ball. Do you think that, that that's partly coached into people, though? Because, you know, on the continent, you'd imagine that that's coached differently, right, Chris? I mean, you know, there, there's the Dutch approach as well, which is, uh, you know, a very different um, one. And, uh, you know, it's almost like the way that players perceive themselves and the way that people perceive the players, they will be evaluated on that. Some players, you know, like Paul Scholes, were very good at circulating the ball. But then there are other players in the Premier League who circulate the ball and some people, their evaluation is too basic. You know, he, well, he, always make, he only makes sideboard passes, etc., etc. I think actually that there's a there's a great anecdote in this month's four four two on their big kind of Pep Guardiola special, where he talks about in one of his very early books Johan Cruyff saying that if you're fouled it's your fault because you should have released the ball earlier, and that's what I find with with Barkley. I know he does seem to pick up a lot of fouls himself, and I think part of that is because he holds on to it too long. Now there are certain instances like tonight where he wins a penalty, that's great, fair enough. Mm. further away from the field where you're picking up those free kicks it can actually while it seems on the surface great we've got a free kick we've got a set piece I think actually can be quite detrimental to the momentum Mm. and some instances it's not actually the best thing to get a free kick the best thing is to keep the ball moving and move it quickly so you can get closer to the goal Uh, more on uh, midfield moves one of the few uh, kind of outstanding games for Everton again this season either on or off Dave let's move on to your United your United also won uh, 3-0. A what? more convincing performance? Are you, were you convinced by what you saw? Su- Surprise. We scored two goals in the first half. It was absolutely crazy. But no, That's it was 200%. A, yeah, it's an improvement. But no, it, was, it, was a, it looked a lot better. I think um, playing Juan Mata and Wayne Rooney up front together is, is going to work, really. I think that has to be happened you know, week in, week out. With Wayne Rooney's movement, he is, you know, he is becoming a bit deeper. He's becoming a, more of a false nine, getting involved. So... You need someone to run the other way. I think one matter. We don't really, you know, one matter. We have this idea, idea that he's this creative player, likes to get on the ball, like a David Silva, but he's not. He's more of a player that likes to get in behind, likes to score goals. He's more of like a penalty box player, like a Thomas Muller. That his movement gets him into that area, and then he'll do something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like today he was really, well, sorry, yesterday um, he was excellent at, um, you know, playing the pass, getting into the box. And you look at the the third goal that United scored. Wayne Rooney drops really deep, pulls a Stoke defender, one of the centre-backs out of place, and opens up this massive space for one matter. who's already making that move going forward, where I think United have, have the issue they've had this season is too many players are coming towards the ball, not, not going in behind. Whereas with matter and Rooney, it's got great balance in attack. Interesting. Uh, do, do you think that comes from both of them or more matter? No, I think both. I think, I think together. I think we've seen uh, matter play off Martial and we've seen um, all types of different combinations of Rooney, matter, Martial and... Memphis and, uh, and Lingard, but I think this is the right combination. Mm. Still think Jess Lingard, he, you know, took his goal very, very well, but he still he lacks a lot of. I like Jess. He I lacks like, a lot. Of he's fantastic on Football Manager, isn't he? He's a really big talent. Really? When you first came to United, he became a Dynamo Dresden, Dresden legend in last year's edition of the yeah, game. So I do, I do, I do love him for that reason. But I do feel he's 
he needs to believe himself a bit more. I feel like he goes, he plays the easy pass too much. There was a moment where he nicked the ball off one of the centre-backs or one of the deep midfielders, deep midfield, like we mentioned before, um, not losing it in that area. And then he played the ball backwards to Memphis Depay where he was one-on-one with the centre-back. I want him to take the centre-back on there. So Maybe you want him to take people on, but you don't want Barkley to take people on? Or are a you different, talking specifically in that area? Specifically in that situation. If you, you nick the ball off the opposition, you go at them. Um, and I, I think that Barkley, my criticism of Barkley is where he's a little bit deeper in midfield or uh, a team yeah. has, has got compact and then he's holding onto the ball too much there. Well, but yeah. when you've got that counter-attacking option, you need to go. Well, and don't yeah. go forward. Don't go backwards. Go forward. Well, yeah. And Chris, it's interesting that uh, Dave speaks about that because the criticism that uh, Jurgen Klopp had of his Liverpool side was we didn't make the right decisions. And he said if they had have made the right decisions, then they would have come away with a win. Um, mercurial moments almost from Jamie Vardy and, and you know a lot of people saying after he hadn't scored for such a long time that, that you know this was a fantastic way to come back it, it was I, th- I think in many ways his goals kind of surmise why he's doing so well this season because the second one was a tap in and I think he has a lot more versatility to him than I think people give him credit for mm. he's, he's often been I think marginalised as just someone that runs off the shoulder I think he's developing a lot more to his game now. I, well, to be I fair, that, that, what, that was a lot. That, those that was how a lot of his goals were scored, wasn't it? Although you know, it does take away from him having to score them and strike them well, and you know. Yeah, I, I think those were just the situations that were presenting themselves. Mm. I, I don't think it was a, a case that he couldn't score the goals. And I, I think we touched on this before. I spoke to some of the people at Stocksbridge who watched him when he first started, and they were adamant that actually his game hasn't changed a drastic amount since he was with them. That there's no kind of magic mercurial moment that's, that's made him into this striker. He's always been this kind of player, a, a little bit more of a versatile forward who, yes, well founded on pace, I don't think you can take that away from him either. That's something that he's been blessed with and is using intelligently because I can find you enough strikers who don't use pace intelligently in the, in the same way that he does. Mm. Uh, Watford drew with Chelsea nil nil. I, I don't really need to run you through the rest of these. Uh, Liverpool obviously lost two 0 against Leicester. Not a great result for Liverpool. Liverpool uh, playing a side. When you when you look at that lineup, then you sort of say, well, you know, what can Liverpool do without playing Christian Benteke? And it seems it's playing Firmino. But he, you know, you question whether Firmino is getting the service that he wants and the shape of team that he wants. Um, but again, uh, Klopp saying in the in the press conference, post press conference, uh, trust us. Is, is it the one thing I wonder with Liverpool, and, and mm. you can tell me this because you know oh, much better shit. than I do? Yeah, you've got Benteke, you've got Firmino, etc. Yeah. Are either would, of them the answer? Would it be fair to say you've almost got a front line of an elite club in the sense that you've got so many options? Yeah, but you're looking for someone to lead the line. So, whereas you've got some clubs, sort of like let's go Man United way back when. You had the, the four famous ones, Cole York, Sheringham, etc. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a balance between how good they all were, so you never felt like one was dominant. Whereas it seems like Liverpool are constantly trying to push one forward. They're almost saying to the likes of Firmino and Benteke, one of you stamp your authority on this and take the lead and be our star. Well, it does seem like either or, doesn't it? But that seems because maybe they can't play together. I, I mean, it's unusual. I think Liverpool maybe have put them on the field together. Maybe it was one point this season. Um it might be more. I'd imagine I'm going to get tweets because of that. But basically, I, I, don't, I think a lot of people find it hard to see how they can play together. And I think when they did play together, it wasn't fantastic. Um, the point would be that it's also about getting service to those people. It doesn't seem that Liverpool have the right people to get the right kind of service. 
I, for, I, I went to go see Liverpool West Ham. I felt quite sorry for Christian Menteke uh, because the crowd got on his back very quickly and it almost makes him panic into making poor decisions, funnily enough. Um, and for that Why reason... Why do you think that is? Why do you think they do get on his back? Just because of the way the season's going? Uh, because of the way this... I mean, not only because of the way the season's going, but... It, I, I I find it unusual. I don't know why they get on his back so quickly um, and why they've sort of almost outcast him so fast. Um, mm. it, people sort of say, you know, you should be running, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. When I watched him, I actually felt like it, it you know, it wasn't a terrible um, game from him. I, you know, obviously Liverpool didn't score, but he got into the right positions and people were blaming him for the ball, hitting him, those kind of things. It's a weird, Anfield's a strange place to go right now because it's sort of like... Um, you know, we know something should be going on, but we don't, they don't quite know what. Um, and I think people are waiting for the end of the season almost there. It's unusual. It's weird. It's a strange club to be around at the moment. Uh, but Chris, you were at the Stadium of Light last night, on mm. Tuesday night, I should say. Um, what, what was it like to be there? It was good. It was windy, exceptionally windy, because yes. it's obviously near the sea, so it gets that really biting wind from there. Mm. I think... There was a lot for Sunderland to take from it. There was a lot of energy. I just didn't think there was that clinical moment of execution. Mm. That, that's what it really lacked. I, I think, again, if Joe Hart isn't in goal, they likely get a draw because he pulled off a sensational, what looked like a double save at first, but actually hit the post to keep the minute. And I think in general, he was <clears throat> a very strong uh, performer for City. Past him, there wasn't a great deal to take from it from a City perspective. I don't think they dominated the game. I thought Toure looked incredibly laboured. I wrote as much for, for ITV this week. Whereas with Sunderland, they had all the energy, but I don't think they just had that person to kind of steal the moment in the same way that City did. And it was a, a stark contrast in that sense. You had a team that, again, was kind of flying around in Sunderland and, and trying everything, but they just didn't have that little second of quality that they needed. Mm. Bournemouth beat Crystal Palace uh, 2-1 Palace now on that terminal downward slide uh, that most people forecast because it's well you know we know who it is um, <clears throat> anyway moving on uh, obviously I, I was quite I'm so far I like Benekophobia but both of you pre-podcast were saying yeah not so much no, I think I think what we we kind of were alluding to that as soon as Callum Wilson comes back I think Callum Wilson's a striker of a lot more quality but Benekophobia will do a very very good job um, to sort of take his mantle whilst Callum Wilson's out injured. Phobia's an interesting one, obviously very pacey, and that's what Callum Wilson gave Bournemouth um, at the start of the season. It gave opposition defenders, um, you know, something to think about. So they, they defend that their defence was pushed back, hmm. uh, open up space for the midfield. So I feel that'll be the same way for Phobia. And obviously, he did score the winner um, against Palace, which is crucial for Bournemouth's safety. But I think getting a true bay and Lewis Craven back, I think Bournemouth have done really, really well in the window. Hmm. Let's move around Europe a little bit here, guys. Uh, first of all, we'll go to Spain. Like, yeah, let's go to Spain. That'd be lovely. Uh, Barcelona 7, Valencia 0. That's embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, is it embarrassing? Are we focusing too much on Gary Neville here, guys? Uh, I don't think it's methods are getting across. Uh, what do you mean? Dave? Me, um, yeah. I just think that it's it's difficult to first managerial job going to Valencia, which is a massive there's a political cauldron out there. Mm. He doesn't speak the language. It's, it's a very difficult job to go. Hopefully, he does get it right. Probably there was a great moment in the game where um, Cherishev came on for uh, Valencia, and the Barcelona fans stood up and applauded him. Obviously, for um, he kind of knocked Real Madrid out of the cup for being suspended and playing in one of their 
um, earlier rounds of the cup. So it's quite quite an interesting moment. But I think it got to give Gary if he wants time, give him time. But maybe it's it's not the quite right job for him. I could see him leaving at the, the end of the season. Well, I mean, he, he is. He's. I mean, he's definitely going to leave at the end of the season. But that, that's probably going to play against him. Um, yeah. At this point, anyway. I mean, uh, although I mean, the weird thing is, Kristen, you can write the narrative either way, can't you? Either he can be that fun guy who learns something while he's there. Um, and, you know, he leaves at the end of the season, or it can be terrible for him because he could be like Manuel Pellegrini and he can't motivate the players, blah, 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 blah. I, I do feel sorry for him because I think Valencia, they're a bit like a hollow ship in the sense that they look huge and they are in terms of history, but they've sold a number of their best players consistently so, the last few years. And the yeah. players they've bought, I don't think have, have been good enough in, in return. So it's left him with this team that looks huge and you think should be doing well but actually are struggling having to rely on young kids a lot of the time. Oh, well, Negredo up front. I mean, he, he said against, was it Sporting Gijon? He said, um, you know, we should have been 5-1 out there. I, I think as well, the, the other issue he faces is he's going to a league and a culture that he has no idea of and, it, and is having to learn yesterday. That, that in itself, I think, bores, bears out a lot of issues because it's, it's not to do with the language or anything like that. I think he can get his message across fairly easily. But the way that you break down Spanish teams, I think he may know, in, th- in theory at least, how to stop the elite that he gets to see. Does he see enough of, of sporting Gijon to, to truly understand and truly fathom does he, the plan? Does he need to would be, would be a lot of people's questions? I, I think so. I think there are nuances to every league that you only get from being there for a while. That That's why I, I think he, he needed more time. The, the, the difficulty is... I just don't see how it gets any better for them. I, I think they'll stay up, certainly. But again, this is I think this is to the, the game against Barcelona is their worst result since '93 or something. Wow, ridiculous! Really, he's collecting a lot of bad records, and I and I do. Would well, you think he can look his family in in the eye? Uh, the the concern I have is is that these are the kind of spells that really put people off management, and I'd rather see him have another go at it at least. I, I would hate for this to be the first and last job that he takes. It's funny. It is interesting you say that because, uh, you know, I mean, people talk about, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, Brian Clough quitting mm. management because of the, the bad spell he had, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, look, you know, he, he could have, in theory, gone a, a totally different route. A, no, a number of coaches, there are ones who, who kind of have that first iffy spell and then don't really look to, I think Shearer is another one who kind of he had that eight games he's had no interest since yeah. I, I don't think he took the Newcastle job for example solely because it was Newcastle I think he was genuinely interested but when you see the pressure that they're under you see how kind of ubiquitous the criticism is if you're struggling it's a lot of stress it is a lot of pressure to put on, on anyone and when you have viable career options elsewhere what is the motivation? You sort of wonder why, in a way, don't you? Why, why someone would, and and then why or whether someone can keep themselves separate from that? Um, obviously, some people can't. Uh, uh, speaking of which, Kristen uh, Heitinger has just retired, hasn't he? Uh, and, and gone to Ajax. Well, he, he is it John signed John for he signed for Ajax in the summer from Hertha Berlin, and and he said kind of this week he wanted one last season with them challenging for a title, and, and that would be him done. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only made two appearances, I think, <clears throat> for them this season. And he's, he's I, th- I think what he alluded to was that kind of injury has played a part in him calling time on things. 
he is very young. I think personally he was one of the golden generation that was expected to do very well along with Schneider and, and Van der Vaart. He didn't. His career hasn't panned out in that same way. I mean, Van der Vaart hasn't had the most exceptionally brilliant career. No, Schneider, Schneider really. Schneider's had a, it's, I think Schneider's just slightly above them because of the Champions League with Inter. Sure. That's the only thing that kind of elevates him. But that whole group, I don't think it yeah, achieved. I, mean, I, I even see Van Persie in that bracket, if I'm completely honest. Well, well, I mean, in terms of the, they all came through Ajax at the same time. Yeah. In terms of that that group, if you will. Mm. And it's, I mean, look, it's it's always unfortunate to to see a player like that retire because you've got to think. Well, you were expected to do more. You have to be disappointed yourself in the way that things have transpired. And how do you come to terms with that? And how do you? Accept that what has happened has happened essentially. I don't know, um, but he yeah. will join the the coaching staff as you said. So th- there's already a future for him, which is is often the biggest and most important part in transitioning away from playing football. Is, is to find something to replace it. He's alongside well, more football. He's alongside uh, some really good coaches. I mean, that's a pretty much. A, it's not a dream team. It's a dream team if they're playing on the pitch. I don't know if they're the same off it, but that's a pretty good uh, side there, isn't it? There is a, there's Stam, Wim Young, uh, Davids is the sporting, uh, Overmars, excuse me, is the sporting director. So uh, he gets a bit of a mixed review, but he, again, he's involved. Bergkamp is there. I, I think that's one thing you can say about Ajax is that actually their integration of former players is, is pretty exceptional. And it's, I, th- I personally think it's something all clubs could learn from. And, and I'm often surprised that really you only see clubs integrate their former players in sort of ambassadorial roles and I mean I'm sure that's great I'm sure it implicates the, the clients that you bring to the games and things I feel like they can can talk to you in a way that few people can they have an esoteric knowledge of what it's like to to sample the football club and then equally I imagine in, in some cases they've got exceptional experience that they can bring to it do you think he's almost the perfect mix of sort of ideology and um, you know especially in a, a country like the Netherlands is perfect mix of ideology uh, lifestyle and football and that almost that comes out with a kind of uh, you know almost a, a quite balanced sort of um, I don't know what I've, I know what I'm getting at here but you know quite a balanced sort of cultured person almost um, I, you know it, it kind of suits them to be that way but there was there was one time where it was similar in England you could have done the same you know there was the boot room and those kind of things and it almost seems like a you know, Holland and a couple of other countries have gone down a different route in terms of their societal development, whereas Britain and other people have gone down a different route and moved away from maybe something that would allow them to implement a system like that. I think it's more prominent in, in Holland. I mean, Ruud van Nistelrooy just left the Dutch national team to become striker coach with uh, PSV. So, again, the idea of going back is is fairly um, well-versed and fairly the done thing. Mm. I don't see it as prominent in England as that. I mean, there are a potential number of reasons you could go into. Perhaps the fact that, again, not many clubs here have sporting directors. So when you're bringing in a manager, they're going to bring in a lot of their own people, people they're familiar with, which is, is, is understandable. I think when you have the sporting director structure, it's easier to bring those other people in. Equally, I mean, the current coach is, is Deborah at Ajax, so he knows those guys anyway, so he trusts them in the same way that Koku is at PSV, so he knows Van Nistelrooy. I think there's a lot more familiarity in the Dutch game. I think it's a much smaller circle and it's obviously different in the context of where it's placed in in the elite kind of ranking of leagues in Europe. So it's able to be close in it, whereas 
we hear, I, I don't know how much I buy into it personally, that everybody wants to come to the Premier League, be it players, managers, etc. Even I it, don't want to go. It can potentially, I would argue, be harder to maintain that tight-knit circle when you have, look at Swansea, for example, Francesco Guidling uh, coming in and, and taking over. Yeah. Is, is he going to be able to relate? Is he going to want to relate mm. to someone who is a Gary Monk, if you will, someone that has been with the club for a long time and, and is part of the furniture? Good question. It's one that faces a lot of Premier League clubs right now. D- does their culture attract people? Uh, and that's part of the problem, maybe Manchester United now, and maybe you know Liverpool as well. Do they have the culture to attract other people? Let's well, see. there's a there's a beautiful sort of Bobby Robson quote about what is a football club, and he talks about you know the people and all. and I'm I'm a big believer in that person. You know, I'm a firm believer that very much the people make a football club. Because it is a community thing, and we have to remember that with all this kind of globalization and everything. And I'm all for bringing in new ideas, new people. That's great. I also think you do need a little bit of a mix. It's it's almost like fitting out a house. You need a little bit of a mix in terms of antiques and more modern things, and to switch things around. I mean, that is a funny analogy for you know <laughs> a fairly young listener base, but it's okay. I understand. Uh, it works. Uh, now, let's move on to the transfer window very quickly. Uh, we'll brush upon the fact that Lazio fans were racist yet again. Um, anything else to say about that, really, apart from the fact that Lazio fans... I, I don't know if it's actually just Lazio fans. Um, but yeah. you, m- most reports are saying it's Lazio fans uh, making monkey chants at the game and saying uh, disparaging things. Not fantastic right now. Not, not a fantastic practice right now in Italy, what's going on, considering the managers on the sideline... Uh, was it the Napoli manager who was uh, yeah, who sorry. Made the, yeah sorry made the uh, homophobic comments what people are saying then Mancini uh, got commented about that and the Italian press then called him a hypocrite because he'd called an Italian journalist allegedly uh, the same term it seems a fairly sort of well, it's just uh, they are they're ignoring a terrible cultural not even a problem it's a it's literally something that seems that they could so easily acknowledge it but they just don't and you know it's unsurprising when the people at the very top have also made very questionable comments about (laughs) players like Balotelli etc am I am I wrong or am I wrong you're right there mate oh shame big issue isn't it shame um let us know your views on that uh we'd be interested to, to find out whether you guys would still watch you know a team where the, the player, the, the manager is a, a homophobe or a racist. Um, I feel like Alan Partridge. Uh, let's move on to the <laughs> transfer window. Guys, uh, Jorge Mendes um, has made... Kristen, how much money has he done in Europe? In 1.2, the world? 1.25 billion in transfer deals. Dave, is that a lot of money? That is quite a lot of money, mate. Yeah. Mm. How's he done that? Loads of players, right? Do you think he has a lot of players on your books, or do you think it's quite the quality? It's called sort of a balance of quality and quantity, almost. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's got the he's done very well getting players from South America to the, the Portuguese clubs, and then moving them on into Europe. You know, James Rodriguez, um, Di Maria, Luca Falcao, um, Mangala, so, you know, Silva. There's all these players that have sort of come over, and then he's picked them up maybe at the right time and has made a load of cash out of them. Yes. Um, some people seem to be happy to have him as well, which I find not unusual. But, you know, uh, I wonder how... Some people say he's the most powerful man in Europe, in European football at least. 
it's a fair shout, isn't it? You know, the influence he has on clubs. And awesome. probably higher ups. Yeah, you'd say so. Yeah. When you listen to, you know, how people do their transfers, you'd imagine also the way he conducts himself, the way he has a, a, a harem. He's not just him. It's kind of, you know, he, he's a company now, isn't he? He's a bit... Isn't, Chris, is it fair to say he's a businessman, not a businessman? I, I don't understand the question. No. Um, Good. <clears throat> I mean, you know, he comes from my humble beginnings. If, if, if you can, I would read Andy Brussels profile on him it's, it's really in depth and really good because I mean Andy does know his, his Portuguese football and he comes from quite humble beginnings um, parents out Andy or Jorge bakers. right um, both, both. Right. Yeah, um, no Andy is very much a man of the people as well Yeah, um, it's why I like him but I, I think what you have to say is do we run a danger of, of any man becoming almost a monopoly in football and, and that's where it, that's where it's starting to feel like with him yeah. Um, well, I, again, we mentioned FIFA Pro again and how their laws may change things. Uh, the, the change to the law of, of basically work, you know, the working laws for players may change things for agents and for clubs, maybe giving mm-hmm. the power back to the players. And then you wonder, uh, you know, do you go back to that? Uh, who was uh, the, the person who sang the song? Lovers, they may- yeah. Actually, no, it's not Gabrielle. It's um, it's oh. it's um. She she also did the soundtrack to Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it is, is it Enya. No, it's not Sade. It's <clears throat> I'm sure someone's shouting it right now. It is Romeo. I've got got the soundtrack right here. Anyone want to say it before I say it? Desiree. Desiree, yeah. And uh, she basically says in one of her songs, uh, some people want to be owned by other people. Super agents. (laughs) Yeah. In many ways, she was ahead of her time. Um, You gotta be smart. You gotta be connected. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta know Jorge. In many ways, I do think that song... youth tournaments. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, I do actually think that song was about um, Jorge Mendes. You gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. You gotta be wiser. Gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. You gotta be stronger. You gotta be cool. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta be cool. You gotta be calm. You gotta stay together. And then I think what Jorge always realises... Love will save the day. Right. Um, should we move on? Talk a little bit more about the transfer window. Uh, Dave, your favourite transfer signing of the window? Mbula to Stoke Alona. What a signing. Good, Dave. Very good. Uh, why Thanks. is it good? Because he is a very, very technically gifted footballer. Wonderful wet left foot. Strong, physical, really good on the ball. Record-breaking Lovely. fee. Yeah, record-breaking fee. Lovely body balance. It's just a very, very good player. Good addition to the Stoke squad. Then why is no one else going for him? Do you I think people understand. expected him to leave in the summer and therefore, you know, when Stoke came in late, it was sort of like, wait, sh- oh no, we wanted him. Well, uh, according to reports, I, I only watched him when he was at Marseille and he was absolutely brilliant, but apparently he's had a bit of a poor spell at Porto, so maybe that's turned off a few clubs, but a player of that talent and that calibre, you, you know, if you've had a bad six months, it doesn't matter. You know, new situation, new, new start, get him in. It'll suit the Premier League so, so well, so physical. Chris, your favourite signing of the transfer window? It's it's split between two. Stefano Sharawi to Roma. Oh, that's a good one. Got two already, which I'm delighted about because I'm a big fan of, of his. And Charlie Austin, I, I think. Ooh, good one. There's there's certainly enough reasons not to sign him. I think the knee is a certain issue. 
the thing, and we should most definitely put this to, to the listeners, we estimated he cost about 26 million by the time he's finished there, assuming he stays for his entire four and a half year deal based on his wages and the four million pound transfer fee. Yeah. Would you pay 26 million pounds all in to have Charlie Austin for, for four and a bit years? Mm. Good. Very good point. Dave? Um, I wouldn't know. Although, I suppose if you work that out for every player, then that sort of... Well, if you think that some strikers cost kind of 20 million on their own, minus wages, we've included the wages here as well, because that's obviously been a big thing, is the fact that he's on 100,000 a week. Sure. Because he costs so little. But then, I mean, at the same time, Liverpool signed, uh, you know, James Milner on a free, but he's on 175 grand a week. Mm Mm-hmm. So I suppose over time, and the way that wages are going up, we will be able to inflate these things. I mean, Ronaldo gets, what, 25 million a year? Something like that. And Fernando yeah. Torres was going to be the best play, paid player on the planet. <laughs> you know? That's China for you guys. And that's also where my favourite transfer comes from. Jackson Martinez <laughs> to China, the happiest man in China, guys. <laughs> he doesn't He's an look absolute he looked like Aaron Lennon when he signed for Everton the first time. Uh, Completely gutted. Dave, why has he gone there? Money. Money talks, I think, in football these days. I think he's reportedly paid the, I think it's the seventh most, I uh, know, sorry, the fifth highest paid player in the world. That is mental. Well, wh- why has China suddenly got all this money, Dave? Well, it's interesting. Obviously, Jorge Mendes was um, part of this as well, uh, bringing over a load of his clients to to China, but it, it starts with some investment from the Chinese government. They want to turn the, the Premier League, the Chinese Super League, as it's called, into a really big competition. Really interesting stat that jumps out to me in this whole shebang is in 2015, sorry, um, the rights were sold for the TV rights were sold for $9 million. Um, the latest deal that's come out for the next five years is $1.25 billion. Oh, that's tiny compared to the Premier League. Crazy. Oh, absolutely right. crazy. Yeah, but it's just that jump up, that step up. You know, it's going up a thousand percent, nearly over. It's just a load of money. More Chris, than uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because that Chinese economy's got a lot of question marks over it, hasn't it? Yeah, the, but then the, again, the so steel, is the UK one. You know, I mean, the, the steel industry is, is one that kind of jumps to my mind in terms of. <laughs> well, yeah, they absolutely stole Jackson Martinez. <laughs> the way they kind of conduct themselves, it's. <clears throat> In general, you're I mean, coughing because you're not. You a cough indicates that you've got something to say, but you can't say it. Well, not necessarily. In the case of this, I mean, I, I read something and watched a, a documentary about the huge construction issues they have in terms of building these ghost towns that nobody lives in and projects that don't was get that finished. Was that a Vice documentary you watched? It, it was. Yes, um, it was good, wasn't it? It was good. Yeah. Um, they they just but, go to fake Paris and there's just people having weddings in fake Paris. Mm, and yeah. there's lots of. Uh, condominiums or tower block flats whatever you want to call them yeah i don't think um, they like to be called that anymore but yeah that aren't <laughs> that aren't finished it it's a bizarre country in that sense i think personally i think we still don't really understand china i think we have a, a snapshot of what we see yeah through traditional media i don't know how much that genuinely penetrates the surface and gives us a good idea you, i mean do you think that's part of it is that you know the money is a huge draw and you're like yeah you know just a few years in china but then you get there and you're Jackson Martinez and you think, right, um, right, how am I playing internationals here? You know, mm. uh, how am I, where's my family? Where's my culture? Where's everything? You know, where are my touch points? The sustainability is, is 
a more pressing concern for me. I mean, I tweeted out this week about it feeling like NASL in the 70s, like you get a check and you get a check and everyone gets you know, big money. Yeah. It's whether that can be maintained over the lot. Again, investment is great. Bringing stars over, yes, it will have a benefit mm-hmm. in the sense that perhaps they can improve the, the quality of the domestic players in some ways. I would want to be spending just as much, if not more, in the grassroots initiatives well, over there as well. The, the you problem is you can, you can sound a bit like a priest when you say that kind of those kind of things because it seems like you're you're preaching for something that's not really realistic. Whereas I, oh, the fact that four of the top five transfers in January in terms of value or cost come from China, that's a very big and equally. And then Newcastle, they're being well. No, Stoke is the other one. Yeah, no, I know. To, to, to be a bit more blunt and less poetic about it every time I see one of these deals You're or skeptical. have seen one of these deals my instant reaction is they're getting absolutely mugged off there so it's not as if they're doing deals that are a little bit above what a team in Europe would pay they're paying astronomically higher than what a team in Europe would pay Yes, they've essentially paid I think 3 million euros less for Jackson Martinez after an atrocious 6-8 to eight months in Spain where he didn't look even close to what he was at Porto so but then you think, I mean, in, in so I'm told, and if you listen to the World Football phone-in, they say, um, and you'll forgive me for forgetting the guy's name is on the World Football phone-in right Jordan, now. Possibly. Possibly, yes. Um, but he was basically saying, you know, China's about status right now. You know, the, the passing of the, con, uh, the, the uh, communist government in such a way, you know, I know they still are, but, you know, the, the sort of the, the move forward for them, in the move, if you consider capitalism a move forward, then, you know, they're basically it's all about status now it's all about you know who have we got who can we get look what we can do and it's you know it's the the falsities that lie in that that for some weird reason seem to be escaping a lot of people weirdly um sorry to bring you down like that i i'm i'm i what i was thinking for both of you in that time why do very few people factor in wages into a transfer so, for instance, Chris just said, you know, Charlie, Charlie Austin costs 26 over the life of a contract, etc. Is it because they don't expect players to go for the entirety of the contract? Because, I Chris, think I think the point well. you made earlier Wages was on. Danny Osvaldo. Mm. Uh, and who else? Uh, Gaston. Gaston and, and Osvaldo cost Southampton uh, 50 million in fees and wages. That's why they've essentially been sell to buy of late. Yeah. But I, I think the reason they don't know is because players don't want you to know. That's, that's one of the things... I've noticed. So when why you do we a, know? Why do we know about China? Well, I, again, status? I would imagine again, the Chinese just being status. Look how much we can pay. Potentially, I think that's a, a shrewd point to make. I think certainly the status and and the idea of look how much we're paying for these players. Yeah. Whereas in Europe, it's it's not like again in America, it's it's a different situation because everything's transparent and you can look up how much every player is earning it and that has actually been quite a bone of contention for a lot of Europeans and yeah, about that yes. to a few who who don't like knowing because the the thing is certainly it's talked about in dressing rooms when you can see it on paper though and you know for a fact that's how much they're on it can breed division well, why do, do you think that's issue. because as a society we're not used to, or not many people are used to talking about their wages and they, they sort of see that inequality as a I don't know uh, a slight on our own character. Well, I think we could draw comparisons with our own industry. We don't talk about money. Which I find it's... unusual. And, and again, a lot of people are encouraged to maybe take time to talk about their money because if they did, they may end up earning higher wages. 
True. That I think I think part of that is as well in a slight comparison to football. Footballers share a lot of similarities to freelancers, I think, in terms of the security they have. Yes, they sign these contracts, but whether you can actually work is a, a totally different question altogether. They love it, yeah. And and again, I think it's that idea of you negotiate what you're worth. And in our industry, that's kind of what you're told, is you, you negotiate what you're worth, and you know if it works for you, great. If it doesn't... And so you may earn two, three hundred more than me per job. Yeah, I just want to I just wanna categorically say it's it's definitely a lot more than that. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. All right, I'm kidding. It's yeah. it's, it's not All right, banter telly. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not necessarily down to golfing quality. It can sometimes be down to the fact that you just negotiated better and you had oh, more I confidence. Like I mean, yeah. to be truthful, you and I have both had conversations where I've said to you. I'm going to ask this person for this much. And you said, don't ask for this much, ask for more, because that's that's essentially what someone in your position is worth. Yeah, I mean, there were conversations in confidence. But, um, you know, no, but, you know, it's, it's a good point. But uh, so, yeah, and in many ways, you still owe me that 10%. But, the, you know, the point is that it, people don't speak about money very often, Dave. Um, and may, is that maybe because it is quite an open and shut case? And it, it's all, in many ways, isn't a very un-English thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, you know? I think it's something that needs to be, that we have all these undisclosed fees. Which is a load of rubbish, right? Yeah, that is bollocks. Yeah, I'll we put should, that out the there. Market, yeah. The market should be open and we should know how much players are getting paid. Well, and if you're going to create this market, then yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because then we can, then it breaks down. Then you can't don't have these dodgy situations where bungs are being pushed and, and so forth and you're paying Steve £5 on a Thursday next March Bloody for you know, a goal that he scored. You know, mm. It's actually open there. I think that's something that ultimately needs to happen in the Premier League, but it probably won't. Yeah, I... Uh... A dig there at Steve Malbronk. Um, anyway, uh, one thing we definitely brushed over uh, during this time was that uh, Barcelona had two players that scored a hat-trick tonight. Just to finish on a, a, ki- a nice note for our section, uh, Barcelona with two hat-tricks. Two match balls. I mean, essentially, not both players can take the match ball home, can they? Well, which is the match ball? Exactly, yeah. If you're operating mod- a multi-ball system, In modern you football, you know, is there, is there one match ball? Is it the one the referee picks up at the beginning? Well, we'll have to ask him. Who? The referee. Uh, so Guardiola's gone to City, guys. Obviously, pretty obvious news. Great news uh, for everyone in the Premier League, Dave. Yeah, great news for the Premier League. A manager of, of top-class quality, which will improve the league within, um, which will you know mean inadvertently that English clubs will do better in the Champions League. But it's very worrying for a, a certain other club in Manchester that haven't got the mighty Guardiola. What yeah. Guardiola will bring to City is tactical flexibility. Um, possession and a winning mentality that's not been seen at City yet, especially in Europe. So expect City to be absolutely flying Premier League champions for the next three years, and probably are gone to win a Champions League. But you know, that's life. Do you, I mean, Chris, what do you think about the move of Guardiola? I'm definitely interested to see. You know, it, it probably won't be a very long stay, but it'll be a stay that maybe sets City up on a on a path. I sense that's what they're doing. I think I think they're getting someone to to lay foundations for him because he's talked about wanting to eventually go back to La Masia and improve on their system, which sounds like a, a bold Bloody ambition. I, I think what it will do is it will allow itself in terms of timing for City to sweep the decks because I think at the minute there are a fair few players there who aren't really suited not only to Guardiola's style and what he needs and the flexibility he requires from his players, but also for their ambitions and. I think we have to look at this from the fact that they're getting rid of Pellegrini because he doesn't match their ambitions in terms of what he's able to achieve. 
I think the same applies to some of those players. And so the timing, I think, is, is right for that. I don't think it'll be as, as clean and easy sweep as, as Dave professes. I mean, let's be honest, he hasn't won a Champions League at Bayern Munich yet. Yes, he swept the league. It was a much different uh, palette of, of teams and what have you to, to work through. It'll be interesting, though. And I think that's all we can really ask of it. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how, what happens and which managers come in to challenge him. Essentially, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be good, uh, D- Dave. Uh, footballing wise, it's going to be a great upgrade for City. I Massive, mean, but Pellegrini's yeah. good, but you know. Yeah, Pellegrini's good, but he's not as good as Guardiola. I think Guardiola's flexibility in his ideas and what he wants to do is absolutely incredible. We saw at the weekend five forwards on the pitch at once, um, interchange between a back four and a back three. I think that might that could be the only issue with City is that they've not played a back three since the days of uh, Mancini played it a few times, I think. So they'll have to get adjusted to that. They'll have to get adjusted to his methods. You know, his, um, he does want players to sit into certain zones at certain times. So it's going to take them uh, a while to adjust. The signings that are going to come in are going to be so, so interesting. If Paul Bogba goes to Man City, I'm going to cry because he is absolutely world-class on, fl- on absolute fire this year. Um, you know, watched him this week after not seeing him previously this season and he was just the next level. So if he comes to the Premier League, it would be very, very, very scary. You know, other players that might come, Lionel Messi's been linked, which would be incredible in the Premier League. He can prove that he can do it in a cold night in Stoke. Um, But then centre-backs, I think that's going to be the big thing. Yes. All playing smart centre-backs. You know, look at City, what they've got at the moment. I don't think they, I don't think any of those defenders. Well, I mean, uh, could he make them into smart people? I mean, you know, he does tend to have a pretty good uh, effect on people. I don't know. I feel that they're too, I feel that they're, they're all the same mould where they're all very aggressive against the ball. Um, I just don't feel that we've got a, a reader or a, a ball player in there, really. You know, potentially Otamendi could be moulded into this role. Um, mm. But Mangala, not for me. Not not under Guardiola. Otamendi, I could see as a, as a Mascherano type with a little bit of work. Yeah. yeah. Take it, I mean, that, it, that's why Mascherano is Mascherano, isn't it? Which is why I was so gutted when he went to Barcelona. Because Cause the, the good thing is, I think if you look at from a City's perspective, what Pep did with Boateng at Bayern Munich, he turned him into this defender who really was based largely on, on his physicality and made him a lot smarter as a defender. Yes, I, granted, uh, Otamendi's at a later stage in his career. If he can have a similar impact with him, then I think you could... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase get something serviceable but certainly from watching Otamendi this week he does love to dive in he's, he's so desperate to kind of win the ball all the time and it's it's something that I think uh, Demichelis suffers from as well so 
I'd be amazed if if both or either actually there come the end of uh, next season. Now, Dave, yesterday we spoke to the true Geordie. I think it was actually the most enjoyable interview for you. You sat opposite him. Oh, it was brilliant. Uh, eye you... to eye with a true Geordie, a true monster of the world. Yeah. Monster of YouTube, a cracking lad. Yeah, and I think Dave got put the best questions to him. He, uh, you know, he, he stared him down. He stared death in the face. Uh, yeah, and came out scary. smiling um, and it's a great video as well we video the whole thing I've not edited it yet but I will edit it tonight it'll be up on YouTube towards the end of the week uh, I believe it'll also be on the uh, True Geordie's channel a 40 minute interview uh, with the man the myth the legend as Adam Boltwood would say so let's just get straight into it um, here is the True Geordie on TF3 it's the one and only the True Geordie Geordie welcome thanks for having us on lads appreciate it Thanks for the beer as well. The beer is his fee today. It's a pleasure to have you on, Jordy. Obviously, going to be talking about Newcastle uh, and the transfer window and their sort of season so far. First off, though, as a Newcastle fan, the most prominent Newcastle fan, perhaps on the entire internet, what has been your assessment of Newcastle's season so far? Feels fighting like professional so far, lads. Um, just you know, just calm down. Out there. Calm down. Assessment is a big word. Um, Assessment. <laughs> Basically, how, how's it gone? How's it gone? Yeah. Has it gone shit or has eight it gone well? Eight out of ten. Let's just eight out of ten. Not that seems, cats, That's what I'm giving it. Yeah. Eight out of ten. That seems too high. I think it would have been a ten out of ten. I'd better hear no sign. But eight, eight, or, eight out of ten, or maybe it is a bit high because we didn't get a defender. Mm. Fair one. But five. we did get call it a five. We actually no, we got John Joe Shelby, quality English player. Under weaknesses, you put Exma no Townsend. <laughs> Javis uh, reference here. Expect a lot of these on this. <laughs> Townsend is a good signing. I think he's not a great signing, but it's good signing and it's better than what we've got. Once again, English, something we've been lacking. Mm. Someone with a point to prove, like Shelby, a point to prove. We need many players like that as we can get. Mm. People aren't just going to rest on the, oh, he's resting on his laurels and uh, get <laughs> relegated, uh, as many of the foreigners would have we do. Um, so, apart from that, I, I think it's been good. Well, what did you make of the fact that Newcastle went a bit mental with the transfer market and tried some of these players because it was. It I'm 25? not sure they were mental. I think they made good investments. No. I, I, which of those there players seems, is a bad investment? I said, no, but I think it's fair to say there was a certain desperation around Newcastle. All oh. of a sudden, going out and splashing the cash, 25 million for Barry. It's not desperation. That, that's 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 actual investment. Well, that's you, the investment they've lacked. I think what happened was we've been neglecting the, the squad for so long trying to do it on Mike Ashley's way of doing business which is squeeze every single penny mm. out of any avenue we can which is exactly how he runs his clothes business and he's <laughs> trying to apply that to football obviously he hasn't used illegal immigrants to play for him just like you know he works for like he hasn't for his own company no he hasn't done yeah. that sorry that's right yeah. Yeah. as no. my good friend over here has just corrected all, me, we're, all we're saying is just facts it's just a zero hour contract um, isn't it that's yeah. all they get <laughs> yeah they've got a little bit better than that actually if football was on zero hour contract he's just realised like you know that doesn't work in football yeah. and I think he's had to bite the bullet and say alright all this money I've been raking in it's time to put something back on the club so I can keep making money next season when the massive TV deal happens it's just really interesting as a, as a billionaire mm -hmm. you'd expect him to be sort of more Roman Abramovich than you know Mike Ashley where he's he is sort of sh shaving the pennies because he's a fan it's the way he's made his money though isn't it mate he true. hasn't made That's his money true. in the oil industry which is like a serious easy mm. place to make money clothes he rose to power where all these other industries are right? all these companies have been selling clothes for high high prices and, and putting money in uh, making them but he thought 
make them for nothing and sell them for like a decent <laughs> nothing. price. Um, and he's he's done the Primark thing, hasn't he? Basically? Yeah, upgraded. Okay. Would you have wanted Berahino in then? Because obviously Spurs are interested in Berahino. It was looking like 20, 25 million. Why is it? Would you? I'm not sure I'd actually pay 25 million no, for Berahino. No, I don't, I pay I don't rate Berahino at all. But You said on, you wanted him at one time. No, no, no. I don't think Berahino is... I don't think he's what Spurs need. But was he what Newcastle need? Um, I think... So is Berahino a 25 million player in general? No. Is Berahino a 20 million pound player? No, probably no. not. Especially not to Liverpool, Spurs or Man United. Yeah. But in Newcastle, he is a £25 million player because we're that desperate that, that I mean, the, what he brings to the table and the fact that we're trying to buy off a team that are currently around us, it just adds that money on. It's quite, quite interesting. Look at his age, you know, he's less than 23. You're thinking Harry Kane, Lukaku in the Premier League are only players that have scored more goals than him since the start of last season. Is it just the potential? Is it the potential of... A Berahino, an English player again that is sort of really blowing up the transfer market. And do you think that's an issue that we sort of throw too much money in at these I, younger I, players? I think people are frightened that we're going to have another Lukaku situation. Yeah. Where we have a player who I wanted Lukaku. Oh, yeah. yeah. Back in the day when Lukaku was there for the taking, mm. um, I wanted him. I wanted uh, Javier Hernandez when he was there for the taking at the time. And when you miss those boats, eventually you think, you, you see a Berahino and you think, if we get him, yes, he's going to leave in 18 months, max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's be, he'll be with. But if, if he knows 18 months, level, right? he does well yeah. for her, then it's worth the money because if he does 100%. well for her, given the attributes he's got, uh, that he is like an Ian Wright style striker, mm-hmm. we'll get great money back from him and he'll do the business for us. So it's a win win. Um, Interesting. It could be seen, obviously, it's an investment in a way. You've got to look at the market like that, haven't you? You know, bring him in, like you're saying, 18 months, he bangs in yeah. 30 goals, you're laughing. Real Madrid yeah, is that going to happen? Then. And you no, know, you know, no think, Real Madrid are not coming for Berahino. How, how do you know? How, how do you, I think that's the current market we're at. The, the no, Real, it's not the current market. Real, Real Madrid, no. Real Madrid that we've we've got at the moment no, are because, so short term that they'll do that. Yeah, but they won't, Dave, because Real Madrid went for Gareth Bale. They'll be coming they, for Deli Ali. They, they'll be coming for a Deli Ali. <laughs> They're going for players that are beautiful. I don't think Berahino is the most beautiful player. No, but in the I game. think what the point he's making is if you'd said the same thing about Gareth Bale yeah. originally when Gareth Bale 100%. was the left back, yeah. you know, who he didn't grow into the Berahino type player. Or, whatever, or the Gareth Bale is now um, you know nobody would have expected that would they it's interesting though obviously Gareth Bale did have I think he had two two or three seasons where he was banging you know over 10 league goals last season it was 21 goals so it's one of those things where if, if you know Berahino was at Newcastle for three years right and he scores 10 goals next year then sort of 15 goals and then he scores 30 goals not a Real Madrid but a Manchester United a, a Chelsea United, an Arsenal a Villarreal they will pay because, he, because of what we pay as well you're going to have to add at least 15 million yeah. on top of that to sell him. Overall, though, you're happy with Newcastle's January transfer winner? I am happy, mate. As long as, as, long as we stay up, for Christ's sake. I can't <laughs> well, that, what, what about Newcastle's season so far? Then? Has it been a massive disappointment? Were you thinking in January you'd be in the relegation zone or were you thinking actually maybe mid-table higher? I predicted that I think would be um, around about like 14th, 15th. I kind of concentrate because these two keep recording each other. Like that. <laughs> 14, 15, because I thought to myself, we've got some decent players, but a lot of the time, like you look at a Mitrovic, who's definitely talented and skillful, and he's got some great attributes, but he's young, he's 21, he's now played in the Premier League before, that's going to take a year to adjust. So he's not going to automatically be the finished product straight away. So I thought about 14, 15, I is didn't it, think it would be this bad. But is that not the market you're in right now? So you are, you know, if you're buying a Mitrovic, you, you're taking a, it's almost a money ball sort of thing. 
risk. We're taking, we make gambles left, right and centre, that's what Newcastle do, you look at Tovan, I mean that is, that is, <laughs> it must be one of the worst signings in the history, I mean don't get us wrong, I'm praying to God he comes back to Newcastle, but let's face it, if any, you know, Remy Cabela and Ben Offer and all them are anything off, that's not happening. Torvan was 12 million. Really interesting as well, because the season before he, he threw his toys at the Pam, Pram at Lille. Threw his toys at Pam. At I feel Pam. very so sorry. Pam got Pam. beat, and he, he, you know, he, said he kicks Pam. off. Was she wasn't Lille's, training. You know, Chelsea yeah. girl, was, that was that what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, obviously he kicked off as anything, decided not to play, and then move, you know, forced to move to Marseille. Then the next summer he moved to Newcastle. He was in the worst team of the year at, um, in League One before <laughs> yeah. we signed him. But so is Origi. Crazy. And Origi, and Origi now is, has been said... By, I mean, he's not fantastic. He's, he did score uh, quite a few goals for Liverpool when he was playing in the right position know, under Jurgen Klopp. Let's face it, though. The difference being is Origi has t- uh, attributes that translate directly into the Premier League. So nice. he's got phys- physical strength and he's got pace. He might not be that technically gifted, but based on that, you can do all right. Yeah. But when you're Tovan, he's not particularly quick. No. He's not strong. And if you're not quick or strong and you're buying from a foreign league, I've got to wonder what are you thinking? Well, because what you're thinking is he has the he, he's shown the potential that other people have shown to... Bulk up. So, for instance, Coutinho, when he first came to the league, wasn't particularly strong. Inter Milan had injured him a lot. And they those <laughs> got, injured him? They, they had, because they, 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 they beat him. <laughs> <laughs> because they wanted him Enjoy to bulk Because they wanted him to bulk up, and he couldn't bulk up. And what Liverpool saw was they said, right, you haven't bulked him up in the right way. We'll take him, we'll bulk him up properly. And he did bulk up properly. Let's talk, you're talking about taking risks there. What about Steve McLaren? How much of a risk was that bringing him in? Because it hasn't quite worked so far. Oh, are you are you all right swearing on this podcast? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Just because I've been in that many places today, I don't know what the hell the rules are anymore. Uh, fucking stupid idea, to be honest, initially, because you're looking at his track record. It's just fucking madness, mate. It is absolute madness. And I look back at it and I just think, well, you get, you finally, you get, you get lucky that John Carver didn't take one down. And I mean, that was lucky yeah. as it gets. That was yeah. so ridiculous. And you think to yourself, right, go and get someone, a nice stable manager now who's just going to settle the ship. And, you know, we're not going to do anything amazing for the next three years, but we're going to be nice and settled. And then we can go and get someone and maybe bring one on further than that. And we go and get someone who was a mediocre championship manager who has failed at any time. He's been at a really high level. Well, no, he, he, didn't he win the league? Yeah. He's, he's won the league. In, yeah. Won the league. When, what, what, sorry, has, what has he done in an actual... In an actual elite league, the best achievement in my mind that he had was when he was the coach uh, for Borough. Man United um, in '99. I think the best he had was Middlesbrough. Yeah, Borough, he, you know, the UEFA Cup final did very well there, yeah. but again, it just seems a bit weird. It seems like Steve McLaren was really good in the '90s. He's been dining out on that for too long, and I'm uh, fucking yeah, sick of it. I, I kind of agree with that. I think that Jesus. I don't know. I, I think what he is is he's a good coach. I'm not yeah. sure he's a great manager. I think that's the difference. That's isn't exactly it? right, mate. Yeah, that's why he did. Yeah. So you well. need John Carver and Steve McLaren. No. You need a man who can put his arm around them. John Carver, <laughs> right? You need, you need someone who can go. Where's Where's Insomnia? Love child. They, need, they go. Man. Where's Insomnia? Do you, do you mean in, in, in Zogbia? Yeah, yeah, where is he? Insomnia. Get me insomnia. Oh, no. Have Back you got off, insomnia? Mate. Back off, mate. Yeah, yeah, John Carver had insomnia. Is that a frustrating thing about Newcastle then? Because every week on this podcast we have Dave, basically. Very frustrated, very angry. Mm-hmm. Talking Manchester United. Angry man these Manchester days. Manchester United fan. And it, it's frustrating for him because it seems like they have no plan. You look at Manchester City across town. 
they're absolutely smashing. They've got yeah, everything yeah. set up for success. Pep Guardiola's coming in. They're set up for success for the future. Even Spurs, for me, I look at that. We've got the new stadium on the way. We've got Pochettino. We've got but he's on his way out. Players. Well, you know, I don't think so. Uh, everything looking good for the future. Here's the frustrating <laughs> thing about Newcastle is there's n- never seems to be any sort of long-term plan. It's all like, you know, as we've seen in this transfer window, Mike actually panicking. It's all sh- short-term. That's not pa- this is not panicking. It, it is panicking. It's not. This, it you've, you've constructed the spine of a team that can play well under Steve McLaren. But that is in, in panic because we haven't done anything for five years, mate. That's what I mean. That's but what they're doing now is, instead of what they should have done is, all right, say that 90 million or whatever it is, 85 million that was spent. Mm. Um, over the last sort of three years, we should have gradually invested yeah. and picked the right players at the right time instead of scurrying and scrambling around going, oh, is Shelby available? Oh, we'll take him. Yeah. And, uh, Townsend, all right, we've got to have someone. Berahino, this shouldn't have been a thing that was started... You don't bid for someone in the final two days of the transfer Why? window. You get your business done yeah. early and it's you get it done and get it out the way. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that the problem with this transfer window is that it actually sets clubs up to sort of go, OK, well, we'll strike and buy and we'll, we'll go in and we'll get someone that because we Because West Brom would have uh, far more likely have sold at the start of the window when they had much more time to get their uh, replacement in with the £20 million in cash plus that were offered then at the end of the window when there was one day left and they would have had to scramble around themselves. I think it's like sort of, um, you know, whoever's director of footballs or whatever, playing a game where they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll put a bit at the end and we'll really, we'll press them. We'll it just them- doesn't show much of a plan, does it? But no. I think that also, sh- think that's, that's, does, does that also show a sign of scarcity in the market that actually there's not, there's not a, a plethora of really fantastic strikers mm, that you can invest in. Everyone freaks out I, I think that's, I think that's, that's the, the thing. It's, you know... It's just one of those things where we are being dictated by the seller. The seller's dictating, right, in the market at the moment. You know, whoever's got the talent because the academies are failing in the UK. The, they really are, mate. The, there's no one coming for you. They're know, not, the, though, are they, Dave? A lad that I quite like is um, Aaron Aronans, or something? Uh, Rolando. Aronans. Rolando, that's the fella. He's, he's, our, he's our Raheem Sterling, essentially, but he's never actually gone on and shown what he can do because he's been injured. So. That's the thing, because he, he had played like five games at the start of last season, was it? And he was banging... He was banging goals in and he looked good he played on his own up front against Manchester City we had the reserves out and he ripped them in New Arsenal on his own basically mm. but mm. he injured so he's like Raheem, uh, he's like Daniel Sturridge's little brother basically <laughs> to injury prone like him, do you know what I mean and he just, he's always injured like that so I, the, the, the academies are failing and what that's doing yeah. is giving teams like West Brom just so much power to just say fuck yous Pays more, pays more until they get a ridiculous price for. Do you, and, and that's where I always come to the conclusion that when the players, uh, when when FIFA Pro get their way, which is basically, um, you know, you won't be able to demand huge transfers for people. You won't be able to keep people at clubs when they don't want to be there. When they get their way, then it takes the power away from the seller and it actually gives it back to yeah. the player, or as FIFA Pro call it, the employee. Mm-hmm. So the power goes back to the the union essentially and and that means then well, that's what it should be mate yeah but the problem is that then the union it does, is the union in bed with uh, the yeah. wrong people the agent mm-hmm. is the union in bed with the agent so and the then the agent are going to benefit massively from that aren't well you, you'd, you'd hope not but because actually the structure would be that you never stand to make a huge amount of money and instead of uh, paying transfer fees you pay sort of compensation to clubs or you know there's a different movement of money which basically breaks down the capitalist structure we've built up now yeah. but it's still in a capitalist structure but it's it's the next big Bosman rule, basically. 
is is you can no longer hold on to. So say Berahino wants to go, well, you can't say to him, no, you can't break your contract. You, you literally go, okay, then you go. Well, initially, uh, talking about Berahino, I really admired the way that West Brom, and I don't like West Brom as a, as a this football inside. I think they're an awful, horrible team. I hate one. Really? Tony Peel I actually, re- I, what I like about it is that it it's clever. It's dinosaur. It, it's it's just dinosaur football. Yeah, but, Dave, but it, Dave, that's clever in a time where works, everyone's going. How smart works. can we be? How it, smart can no, we it, be? It works right, but it, at the end of the day, I don't watch football to say, "Oh well, that, uh, that was clever." I want to see beautiful, attractive football and fun for entertain me. Yeah. That is, it's 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 awful. It really is awful. Like and and what aristocratic me, gatherings. And, <laughs> and what annoyed us, right? I don't mind what they did originally because I'm not going to slag them off for this. I think it was right, but he kicked off and he deserved to be put in his place a little bit. Yeah. Drop him to the bench, sort your attitude out, mate. But I think the time comes when you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. Correct. Right, now was the time to sell him in the January yeah. because what benefit are you going to get from having a player who isn't going to be happy? Is obviously, they've said all these things about him, he's going to sit and rot away on the bench. Just. You know, sell him on. You've made your point. You've, you've yeah. killed six months of his career. Why do it for another six months? Well, something that we were sort of talking yesterday after the football went live. That it's sort of like it's a waste of talent. It's a waste of English talent. That's not that, good to see. Is but it? that's not actually what that's what Tony Pulis has said is that he's wasted his own time. But the problem is, well, can I ask you a question? Let's talk about the greatest manager, English manager of our generation, our era, Bobby Robson. Yeah. Would he? Would he? Would Verahino have not have been able? get the best out of that lad and motivate yeah. him even at West Brom he's a very different kind of manager isn't he Tony Pulis' attitude Stout. as much as Barry Hino was petulant he is a kid and he's going to be petulant when he doesn't get his own way it's up to Pulis to get the best out of a yeah. player and motivate him and he didn't have the ability but his answer was get on the bench and rot away on the bench and it actually Pulis' attitude harmed West Brom but, well. have it, but the point would be has he scored goals when he's been on the pitch yes well recently very so, much so, so uh, has Pulis still kept his team in the Premier League yes, yes. But, but, so but has is, he done the, opti- the optimum yeah. job like the best job he could but have done dep- but that's the point is, is from the outside maybe we're saying the optimum job is to be entertained mm. But from the inside, all they're no, saying to him is, "Listen, Tony, you keep us in the Premier League." league. But, but then and, you, we want more. Happy. Like you've always got to see more. You've always got to see that bigger picture. If you're Pulis and you've got a, a, a player of Bellingham's yeah, caliber, Dave, Dave, what's the bigger picture? For yeah, but that's the point. Is the bigger picture? You've got a dream t- team. But the, 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 the point is that the theatre of dreams. The, but you've, got, you've, got, you've got to think that you can yeah, win that P- league. But Pulis is seeing the bigger picture. He's, and, he's not. He's surviving relegation season in, season out. He's playing rubbish football. Going back to what Brian said a second ago, that's what it is, right? That's it. That's football. That that is football. You want to you want to see good football. No, I think I think you're you're being prescriptive. You're being prescriptive, and your prescriptive analysis is limiting your appreciation of. And I'm not putting you down. I'm not not saying it's it's limiting your appreciation of what Tony Pulis is achieving. To play, but I just don't like it. I don't like it. Do you think West Brom fans, uh, truthfully, as much as I think their priority is to stay in the Premier League, and I respect that, and that's fair enough. The answer this is no. But. Are they enjoying this? So no, I've got, sure. a, I've got a mate from university that's a West Brom fan, goes week in, week out. Drop him. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Hates it. At home, not attacking at home. Leaving Callum Wilson. Uh, uh, Callum, not Wilson. Callum, Callum Manaman, Manaman. on the bench when they're 2 1 down. Now tell, now tell me this. What convinced me was when they played Crystal Palace. Yeah. And they played Crystal Palace um, earlier this season. And I've never seen just a less. a team with less bottle in my life. Yeah. It was just a came. It was the, actually like Newcastle played when we played West Brom, ironically, but they just yeah. really didn't have any 
motivation to win the game. It was like, they just, <laughs> all right, a draw is what we'll go for. I mean, it's Crystal Palace, mate. It's not Real Madrid. At least have a go. But they didn't even try to no. win the game at all. That's, mm. that's, that's a product of the Premier League, I'm saying. And I'm saying Tony Pulis and his tactics right now are a product of what the Premier League has done. Yeah, which is uh, going back to the whole academy thing. That's the issue at the moment. We're driven, we're driven for these results of poor quality. But anyway, let's switch gears slightly. Let's switch, switch gears. gears. Switch but let's talk a little bit about what? predictions. Predictions, football predictions for this what? season. Oh, well, you see, what, what I was going to say was, can I just ask Jordi one question? Oh, yeah. Jordi, you manage Newcastle United on your own FIFA channel. Is that what you would do with the team? Or I, would you, what, what was would strange, you... what was really strange was one of my first signings was John Joe yeah. Shelby. That was one of the first signings wow. I made. That is Lord, so interesting. And when John Joe Shelby signed, yeah, everyone, was, feign it, Dave. everyone was I mean, treating it's like, fascinating. it's finally happening. <laughs> no, no, I, that is so crazy. I signed Berahino as well. Did you really? And most people were like, it's actually all going to come true, but... Does Mike actually watch your channel? Is that what's going on? Uh, yeah. do you know there's no funny? scouting they go we've seen this guy called well, Op de Geordi <laughs> hold on he's actually got a point this time Squawker Geordi um, Squawdy so, alright uh, when I did the Copa um, the Copa 90 Why I Love Newcastle video um, the I always wondered like you know what how the club would act when it was when they were approached in official way by a company to get me to do something with the club and just what their reaction would be um, and it was an emphatic no. Um, uh, where where um, my pal Spencer had, uh, Owen had done the West Ham video and he'd been allowed to go in the crowd. How, how good's that? I mean, he was virtually, you know, cutting the grass and rolling around like a snowman <laughs> off of Frozen. Um, <laughs> yeah, v- Vuj, Vuj went into uh, Anfield. Um, he was loving it. And uh, yeah, Jordy's not playing knock your door neighbour outside of uh, <laughs> St James's. Hello well, there. Literally. Uh, <laughs> the security guards are like looking at us and they all know who I am and they're like, do we, do we go up to them? Or? So you're saying they, they know all... of you and they don't, uh, you're saying the club They don't... were contacted by Copa who said, we want to bring True Jordy in to talk about the club and the answer was, not him. Did you therefore light a bag of dog shit on fire and <laughs> Left it leave on, like, it outside? Left yes, yeah. Outside the uh, shop. The thing is with Newcastle, though, it, it really is a goldfish ball, and I say that in the most affectionate way possible. I mm. love the fact that in that town, everything revolves around the club. So like other YouTubers, it, it, their, their voice isn't as loud because mm. people are so crazy about the club in Newcastle that when you have someone like me people listen to us even more so about the club mm-hmm. so can you imagine someone going to uh, Manchester United and Man United even knowing who they were on YouTube it wouldn't what? even happen I think, I think that's the big thing though we need to be we need to have that connection with fans right we need we need the voices people that are passionate about their football club like yourself like myself like Lawrence <laughs> like Adam These, we need to be not like heard but if there's someone that's got a good voice in the community why not embrace that why not sort of take that up and say okay yeah we've got uh, you know the true Geordie's a great lad, cracking lad, does all this great stuff. Why not get involved? Oh. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, why not bridge well, that gap? I understand initially why the, the mate I had an issue with is because I have called Mike Ashley a fucking cunt on many occasions. Yeah, yeah, but but my question is, who hasn't? That might have had something to do with it, but with, with good reason, to be fair. And I think if they had let me in to the ground, what I would have said is... You sound like a stepfather. Well, let me in. Let me in. Yeah. That's not... Why I'll, won't you love me? I, I, I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to go off on one. But if they'd let me in, 
I would have actually said, you know what it is, I've said a lot of things about Mike Ashley, but fair play, he's signing players, and he's let me in, and he said, you know what it is, say what you want about the club, and I would have actually had a lot more respect, but the way they just blocked me off and shut us down, I mean, I know they've done, they've blocked a lot of the newspapers off for a lot less, and they've, and they've censored themselves, I'll never censor myself, but at least they could have... Wouldn't I that mean, be the best PR ever? But the point is, that, but the point is, them, but in terms of the fans, but no right. one, no one's thinking about that in PR. No one's going, okay, how can we innovate this? What they're thinking is, how can we keep the numbers and just keep them the same? Damage how, how, when we go into the room with Mike Ashley, can we go right? Um, you know, we've been on Blurt and we've seen that fifty percent of people are happy with Newcastle United. That's all they want. They don't. Very few PR people, although I know some innovative PR people, very few of them want to go. We're, we're on the very edge. Most in the, in the PR people go oh, into the client us. and the client go, have we started an Instagram? And they go, we've started an Instagram. And they all go, brilliant, see you next month. And that's it. Can I so be they don't care. PR, is that an easy job to get into? Because that seems like good money. You'd yeah. be absolutely banging at PR, mate, I tell you that. Easy. Get everyone, you know, get everyone psyched, pumped. Now, so can I get a beer company involved in that? That'd be awesome. Yeah, like a sort of Corona, Cor- Corona, or maybe Peroni. Remember, lads, we're going for the Peroni. Yeah, we, so I like a nice cool you're talking glass there, of Gazprom. You're talking there, Jordy, about how uh, Newcastle perhaps don't improve you. Obviously, they've heard you through your YouTube channel. That is what you're known for. Uh, how did you get started not in the YouTube longer. game? Um, it was an accident. Like um, I just uploaded a rant one day after one of me pals. <laughs> Didn't mean to. <laughs> one, one of me pals had passed away. Who was like a huge Newcastle fan. I mean, he like you know like those fans who will just like live and breathe for that club. Like every day is around, around the club and that. Um, and I went to his funeral, and it was like, it was about how much he loved Shola Amiobi and things like that. And I was like, this is like I remember I just stood outside the church listening to the service and that, and I was thinking to myself. This is mad. This like I mean, he, he this he loved football. And I kept thinking about it, how much he loved Newcastle, and then Niall Ranger. Not long after that, a Newcastle player who was like a reserve team substitute at the time, mm-hmm. who had a bad reputation anyway, comes out and we were booing the team at the time because they were fucking terrible. They were really. <laughs> it was like Pardew's worst. Oh brand God, yeah. It was like. I mean, we were getting beat off um, Sheffield Wednesday. It was oh, it was fucking awful. So we were slagging them off, booing them. And now I'm not someone who actually boos the team, but what I think is if you want to boo and you pay the money, you have every right to boo the team. Niall Ranger, least of all a player who's done nothing for the club, should ever comment about what the fans fucking do because we'll be here long after he is. That was the point I thought in my head. Of course, I laid it out on a video. Didn't have a channel. Didn't. There was no notion of true Geordie or anything like that. Just a rant. I called it a true Geordie's view on Niall Ranger. I told him... Taking pictures of him holding a gun up. I hold. He hope he shoots that gun better than he shoots the football because he's fucking shit. Um, Absolutely smashed him. Uh, that was, uh, there was people writing articles about why footballers need to keep their mouth shut more because of that video Good. sort of thing. Right? But anyway, within a few days, it got like seventy thousand views, and all, and I didn't have a channel. It wasn't like I had. It wasn't like when Andy Tate was on Full Time Devils and yeah. there was a, a structure and a network, and we can push this video and do all of this thing. There was no true Geordie channel. It was just football fan 533, which was my first email I had when I was 11. And that was my channel. So um, everyone was like, oh, I'm searching for you. I keep searching true Geordie. Are you true Geordie? And, that, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a good name. I'll just call the channel yeah, true right Geordie. Yeah, no. and, um, and that was it, really. This is like your full-time thing now. YouTube is your full-time life. Oh, that's pretty much it, mate. It's uh, pretty madly. <laughs> 
one hell of a job. What, what is your sort of like, what's the day-to-day of being like a YouTuber? That's what everyone seems to want to know. It's, it's not like um, what people would think. So like, you see some YouTubers who do like a week in the life of, and some YouTubers do have like a really good week in the life of, like uh, <laughs> like Spencer, for example, just did a really good week in the life of where he's talking to this player and talking to that player. But like a normal like week in the life of for me would just be like, I get up, I'll, I'll record a video, and I'll edit it, and like it won't be exciting. It's like you're you're watching the football, and you want the, and also you want to put out good videos as well. So you sort of think to yourself, you know, will people like this? Like I want people to actually get something from this. Like, I, and I want to be passionate. And one thing I'm really a big believer in, which I think that some people maybe miss about YouTube, is I don't want to put out crap videos ever like I feel like some people would say oh well I did a good video here so I can sort of put out a 10 out of 10 effort here but a 5 out of 10 effort there like I want every single video that I do to be like it might not be brilliant but I want it to be like a good video so that people will always want to come back to my channel and they'll never feel like well that was just half forced that last one so I'll not bother so that's what I put pressure on myself for it's the quest to perfection right I think we've all got it here we've all got the the want to I think you know we're saying yeah we're, 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 see with Adam, yeah. we're, we're laughing but we do we have that ingrained in ourselves that we want to produce something that's very very good like every time I, anytime I go on anything it's always about delivering the, the right things and being passionate about it and that's the beauty of what we do I think that we can express ourselves I think we're artists Looking back well, on the Dave, day, Dave, you're really are, giving yourself too much credit. I there. never said that. That Dave, was. Yeah. Can yeah. I just say that was oh, his words, yeah. not mine? The top clickbait. This, ma- we are. Ma- this posted on Twitter. Over here. He's speaking yeah. for himself, <laughs> not me. This uh, posted on Twitter is literally just going to be true, Geordie. What? We are artists. <laughs> I, I, what I will say, what I want to say is. When I miss a video upload or I go a few days or whatever and I know I need to upload, it actually annoys us and it really gets under my skin and I'm like, so. And, I, and when I see people tweeting and saying, why haven't you uploaded? I'm like, I fucking really want to, but either some shit happened that day and my car's fucking broke down, I'm at the fucking the mechanics and I'm like, why don't you just trick me fucking cunt because I want to get a video out of you cunt. So um, that's kind of what it's like sometimes, you know. What, so what a lot of people went on though, what did you used to do before... You're into YouTube then. What, what was your sort of job in your career? Um, so, well, I mean, I had a few jobs when I was younger. And that I worked with butchers when I was first, like, 16 years old and that. And I was at college and, um, you know, I did, like, a couple of daft little jobs. And then I ended up, ironically, on YouTube, which <laughs> sort of been a fucking sign there and then. Um, I seen this video of some, like, deep-sea divers and I just thought, that looks cool as fuck. That looks really dangerous, but I, I like the look of it. And... Um, and then I started doing research into like deep sea diving offshore on the oil rigs, and of course it's one of the most dangerous jobs offshore, even which offshore is dangerous as it is. So they they get paid a lot of money. So I was like, well, I'm never going to make that kind of money sitting on me fucking arse in Newcastle. So if I've got to risk me life to make that kind of money, I'd actually probably do that to be fair. Like, so I, I went and did it, and uh, I did my training up in Scotland uh, near uh, Ben Nevis, and I had to live there for like three months, and then I um, luckily. Offshore is kind of ran by Geordies. Geordies are really like helping each other out offshore, so I got a little bit of help. Um, and I did that for like, a good few years, and then I did that video on YouTube and I fell into YouTube. Now, the money, the money in diving's better, but you know, at the end of the day, this is your dream to talk about what you love, which is football. Passion. And, 
Um, were you, were you passionate about diving? Like, did you did you sort of was it a lifestyle for you? Or diving for me was a means to an end. So when you originally do diving, all right, you get in the water and it's fucking dangerous, and you're thinking bloody hell, it's a rush. It's a rush. It's exciting. Once you get over that, you're just basically an underwater monkey doing <laughs> basic work, like you know, um, using grinders and, and things of that nature. You were so, on grinder when you were uh, no, grinding <laughs> up and down. Diving. Yeah, <laughs> like a strip underwater, mate. I was like a fucking mermaid. And, um, <laughs> So, but like you do basic engineering work underwater, and eventually it just becomes really repetitive. But mm. obviously, is it a bit like being in space? Well, that, that's how yeah, they, they no, train I'm not kidding. It's the opposite way. Yeah, they, yeah. They train astronauts in 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 a in a pool using diving gear, but yeah. um, it, it, I didn't enjoy it at the end because it was twelve to fifteen hour shifts, manual labour all day, every day. Is that good camaraderie though? I mean, you have to be close with people. If you're, uh, you're basically met, trusting your I'll life. I'm some of my best friends in diving because what happens in diving is sometimes you. It's not just in diving. You'll be in a pub in the middle of nowhere where nowhere you don't know anyone, and you're five hundred miles away, and some comes swinging a pool cue at you, and you find out who your fucking friends are pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. Then, mate, why, you know I mean? why are they swinging a pool cue at you? They wasn't swinging a pool cue at me, mate. No one fucking <laughs> swung, but they swung one at me, mate, and that quickly uh, organised that situation. Why is anyone? Why is We've anyone not been in that right? situation ourselves? Not yet. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go to London, Scotland, yeah. and you'll probably find that happens quickly, especially if you sing the English national anthem. Yeah, well, there you go. That's why. What what's what's next for True Joy then? Like obviously you know you're on hell, your own channel, you're on the Football Republic, you're on the Dream Team, you're everywhere at the moment. Yeah. What's your sort of what's the sort of the aims? What do you want to be accomplishing in the next kind of year or so? Um, or is it just sort of see how it goes? Well, I feel really lucky that we've even gotten where I've gotten. So I'm kind of like sometimes I'm like fucking hell. Like um, I've gotten a hundred thousand views on a, a video, and I remember when that first ever happened. It was I was mind blown, and now it happens to us really regularly. But even now, I'm like fucking hell. Got a hundred thousand views on a video. I still get quite like shocked by that now. So um, I'm just trying to appreciate what I've got and be better in everything I do. And what I think is, if you be better at everything you do, then doors will open. You'll not have to like look for them. It just happens out of nowhere, and that's all I do. I just try and be better. Before we finish up then, the big question we've got to ask you is we often talk on this podcast about our spirit footballer. Who is the footballer who embodies your give, very essence? Give, give, him a, give him your example. So Dave. Lawrence McKenna believes that his spirit footballer is Xabi Alonso. I think he's aiming a bit high. Xabi Alonso is probably the coolest footballer on mean? the planet. Exactly. It, it's is my, he it's really? my aim of a spirit footballer. My like, aim. Who is your actual spirit so footballer? That's, well, that's what we were trying to work out earlier. Is I don't really well, know. We, we said I can it see it might, his, his head's already we going. Said, we said, said it might oh, be Joe Allen El because Joe Allen wants to be Perlo. Yeah, but I don't want, want to be Perlo. So what we want spirit is, animal, what, spirit am I, I, I think that the thing with you, though, is... Quite witty. I can imagine you'd have the technique of him... But I just don't think you've got the bite. You have, you're not nasty. Like, I don't think Xabi Alonso has a bite. He, you know? He's not, though, but he, he, he doesn't bottle a tackle either, and I think he, he might steal. do a little bit. What do you think? Judging <laughs> by TFR 11, mate. Well, we'll see on the weekend, won't we, mate? Yeah. So <laughs> Left you can, wing just yeah. hiding out there. I mean... <laughs> Well, you put me in the centre, mate, and I'll, I'll see you there. I will next time. Like, when I'm swinging a pool cue at you on Sunday night, <laughs> you won't know anything. I'll tell you, many yeah. tried, many died. Is there, so is there like a Dave said he's Darren Fletcher. Da- you really say Darren Fletcher. That's right, so yeah, I know, he yeah, works yeah, hard. Yeah, good, yeah. He's well, a player that, that, you appreciate the beautiful game, and, and although Fletcher was all right, he wasn't exactly a player like that. The thing, the thing, the thing he, he was very appreciative he, of it, though. He, he identified what he went into Manchester United and knew he had Paul Scholes and Roy Keane at central midfield, a ball playing excellent player, and then a right, you know, Keane, a, mm-hmm. the, a brute, and realised yeah, there's someone there that needs to do the running. 
And he, he understand that, that he, in the, to get into midfield at Man United, he needs to have something else. And what he did for Man United when Cristiano Ronaldo was there is he'd shuttle over. He'd be the one going over to cover that flank. And that's mm-hmm. what I like about him so much, that it was he'd do something to get everything else working. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that's... Is that you? That is you. I try and play the same role. It's essentially what Manchester United lack now, isn't it? 100%. Someone that kind well, of gives... One thing, one thing that comes to my mind when I hear Darren Fletcher yeah. is... On championship manager, not mm-hmm. football manager, yeah. championship manager years ago, when David Beckham retired or left Man United, Darren Fletcher was always the next Beckham and he actually turned into the exact same attributes as David Beckham. He was the next Beckham. What? Mm-hmm. No, didn't work out. No, that, was, that was what happened. Uh, David, you the next. My David spiritual Beckham? footballer, yeah. a lot of people sure, might think I'm I would say bit. Alan Shearer, oh. but I am. <laughs> I, I am a little bit nastier than Alan Shearer, I yeah. think. Because oh, yeah. I remember when I was eight years old, a little story for you here. Um, I was like a big tall lad, but I had a really good like touch. And mm. I, like, I was actually decent with the ball at my feet, but I was never the fastest. But, you know, like maybe Leticia or Zlatan, but mm. with a really bad temper. And um, I remember one time that like, I got singled out in five a side and they'll keep on hacking us and trying to like wind us up and eventually I just snapped and I smashed this like this lad at eight <laughs> years old and I was the only player to get sent off an eight year old five a side football at my school. So that was a, So basically you're uh, Duncan a, Ferguson then, is that always saying? <laughs> Do you know what I really feel like, actually... Because <laughs> he had talent. Duncan Ferguson had talent. He did, I. He signed for Newcastle, and him and Shearer, unfortunately, got injured, both of them, but they were amazing together for, like, two games. Uh, <laughs> that is actually a good combo, isn't it? It, it was. Shearer was one of the only big um, centre-forwards who hold, held the ball up who could play with other big centre-forwards. Mm. But, um, Do you know what? The other day, we were watching... Um, we, we did a pod, We did the front three YouTube, and I had to research when Shearer was sort of coming towards the end of his career, like mm-hmm. t- between 2003 2005, and he got his first injury. Brings me fucking hot. And you guys were in the Champions League at that time. Uh-huh. And you had a good side. Oh. Like you, you, The football you were playing in the Champions League, I think a lot of people forget, was actually really good football. Know, mate, Bobby Robson, a lot of people say Kevin Keegan, best Newcastle manager, couldn't hold the candle to Bobby Robson because Bobby Robson actually made us defend decently as well. Mm. So, uh, and he did it in the modern era, whereas Keegan did it when in the the early mid nineties, where it was still the wild west of it. I think that's the beauty of managers like that, like Ferguson, like Robson, that they can attack so so well, play brilliant football going forward, but they can defend. That's Uh, it. Anyway, my spiritual footballer. And I, I hate to admit it, right? <laughs> because I know he doesn't like Newcastle, but it's Roy Keane. Really? It is. And I know it's Roy Keane. And I know it, as soon as you said it, I thought it's Roy Keane because... Yeah, it's what comes out of your heart, isn't it? It's sort of... Like, that's what my mind went straight you know, to a long Do you know time. what made me realise me and Roy Keane were similar? When Rio Ferdinand turned up piss-farting around once and he was trying to fanny on and train and, and Roy Keane said, this is Manchester United. And what he was saying was, you're at this fucking standard now, mate. And if I was in that situation and some young kid was pissing around I wouldn't do it in a nasty way I would do it to help him out but I would say it in a nasty way to make sure it got done Yeah, and I, that's the type of thing that I would do and I think that he was a leader and I'm, mm. I'm a leader I feel like I am a leader as a bloke anyway and I just think that as much, it really I hate to admit it because he hates Newcastle but yeah. he would be my spiritual footballer that would be fair to him there you have it then guys true Jordy yeah. spiritual footballer is Roy Keane it's fascinating. I think that is on that bombshell. Excellent whoa, manager. whoa, whoa, on that bombshell. Excellent what are you going to say? We have got Dave's got one, one more, more question. question. Oh, for it, Dave. Okay, there you go. Okay, yeah. Go on then. So, if the true Geordie was a warrior <laughs> from the medieval Fuck times. Me, we're getting a dip now, like. Yeah. <laughs> what weapon so past life, would you Geordie. wield? What weapon? Yeah. So, if you were a warrior uh-huh. 
in the medieval times, what weapon would you wield? I can tell you exactly what weapon I would wield. Do you know on Braveheart where he had he had a regular sword, but he had a massive oh. sword? <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. Because <laughs> the thing is, you need big arms to handle a sword like that, but yeah. I would just... <laughs> <laughs> that would be my weapon. Excellent. William Wallace's sword, that's the answer. That's what you go, that's, that's a brilliant... We, we thought axe, we thought mace, I, I but thought a mace sword you, that right? You could really do some no. damage with a mace. Imagine the true Geordie charging at you yeah. with a William Wallace sword. Roots I, as well. All, with a kilt on, bollocks and all, <laughs> coming at you, massive sword. All I see is, you know, in Lord of the Rings, when there's the, they've got the little guys on their backs, is Geordie's one of those ones walking <laughs> towards... Yeah. Adam, what have would you that, wield? Have that visual image in your mind as we finish this podcast. The, yeah, yeah, Just but, remember that. Especially the women women out there Geordie and a kill yeah, wielding his wielding his anyway listen on what would you note, wield uh, I'm not quite sure what medieval weapons are at my disposal you've got a bow and arrow you have <laughs> um, a, bow and arrow. a long so bow nice, so he, he he's like, more of a backroom general isn't he he's more of one of those yeah. people who sort of sits in the throne and goes yeah I'll let the everyone else die in front of me and I'll organise it and Dave you must have thought about this in order to ask the question, is what I'm saying. I'd be a sword and shield guy, I reckon. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. You, you wouldn't have a shield. Offense. I feel like you wouldn't have a shield. You'd yeah. literally just go just <laughs> sword. Bollocks, Do you know what I mean? Bollock naked. Yeah. <laughs> bollock, bollock naked, but for a kill. Do you know what I think he, uh, Lawrence would have? A bow and arrow. Oh. And he just pick them off. Of course. Sneaky. Pick them yeah. off one by one. In the same way I pick off narratives, I'd just... In many ways. <laughs> yeah, you, that's what it is. <laughs> Listen, that brings an end to the Talking Point podcast. <laughs> I mean, fantastic other Drew Jory. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, Jordy. It has been fantastic. Oh, Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on, lads. And um, I, I think everyone should get behind your podcast. I like it. Head over to the True Jordy yeah, uh, YouTube. Like it, subscribe. love it, follow it. Subscribe to the front three. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. He's on board. He's on message. You know, what I want to do. You that. Can that. I, I, I want to go. <laughs> I want to. Yes. I, I want to go deep sea diving with Jordy. I want to go. I want to go back that, to your roots. I wasn't that good, mate. So not child. <laughs> Yeah. I would ask you. <laughs> one, th- one thing that I reckon, though, what about the front three going to Newcastle on a night out with the true Geordie? This would be that good. would be good. explosive. It would be. I mean, more than you know, mate. More than you know. Adam Bolt with their lovely voice of his. Uh, it's a shame Adam's not properly on the podcast this week. I'm sure he had a lot he wants to talk about. Uh, Dave, your highlight of that? I know oh, it it's got to be it's got to be the sword, hasn't it? Yeah. How scary would that be? How intimidated if you'd been the English fighting... William Wallace, aka the True Geordie, with his double-handed. You know sword. the True Geordie's not Scottish, but but he's he's a bit Scottish. But I imagine he would be though. New, imagine like, the lads from Newcastle would have gone to Scotland, wouldn't they? Would have sacked England. Off. I don't think they would, and I think that's a true bone of contention between the Scottish and the um, and the <laughs> Geordie. But yeah, um, it, it's a great, it was a great point. And uh, Dave, you put the right questions to him, Kristen. Which medieval weapon? There's too many football podcasts talking about medieval weapons right now, but which. Uh, which uh, which medieval weapon would you wield if you were out on the battlefield? Well, we're all descended from Vikings up here anyway. We use a lot of the, the same words. In fact, one of the words that Geordie might use for home, which is him, actually, is the same word in Danish for home. Interesting. Um, it's not with a question that said, asked, but... A massive axe. Really? You <laughs> go for an axe? Uh, go for it. Why would you go for an axe? Not a, not a mean, mace. Now I'm thinking about it. I quite like the idea of a bow and arrow, but... I yeah, we spoke about this, uh, but it was used. The, the, the term bow and arrow is used almost as a disparaging weapon, sort of like because Geordie said, you know, oh, I could see Lawrence picking people off with a bow and arrow. He was putting it as a coward's weapon. Um, mm. But well, it is. It's a coward's weapon. Is it? What? Yeah, Dave said he. Dave, did you say you'd have a sword? Sword and a shield, mate. I'd go bloody old school on them. Yeah, so heart, one arm brave, one arm 
No, not so much. Not so much, babe. Anyway, let us know uh, where you would leave your holes. Uh, with enemies. A, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where you leave your enemies after you've cut them up. Uh, which ditch <laughs> did you leave them in? Uh, tweet us uh, at the at uh, what is it? The front three on yes, uh, number Twitter? three. Number three. Uh, and Chris, if people want to go find you, if people are interested in your insight, where can they find that? Uh, at K H E N E A G E. Dave, are you? Um, well, I think you could drop into Google. Yeah. Dave talks. Yeah. YouTube. Let's see if this actually works. This is the first time I've done it. Does it? Yeah. And no, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. So do so, not do that. So don't do that. Because Abort. That... <laughs> oh, <laughs> because... no, it does. So yeah, you've got a load of minion stuff. But if you scroll down the page, <laughs> there it is. Dave talk. Brilliant. I mean, that show. I mean, I don't know if that shows you more about Dave's doing habits than anything else. Um, <laughs> YouTube does tend to put what you like at the top of your searches, but yeah. Um, Brands, sponsorship is available. <laughs> um, so off we go. Uh, and of course, you can find us at the front three on Twitter, also on YouTube, where you find the true Geordie. You'll also find a preview of the weekend and a review of the thing, three things we enjoyed on the weekend. Go over there, hit subscribe if you haven't already. And please, if you can, tell your friends about it. Um, you know, tweet it at people. Tell other people there's a YouTube channel. Share it. I love going into places. And, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I love it when someone else watches something and I, and it's not bloody how to make a murder or whatever it is. Um, and I can actually discuss it with them. Very rare. Do you know what I mean? Do you mm. not like making a murderer? Uh, no, it's just, you know, you discuss the same programs with people. I like it when someone likes something that is, you know, a bit more, oh, I didn't know you like that. Do you know what I mean? Coming across as a bit of a Ken Kratz here, isn't he, Dave? Yeah, he is. Hatred. Hater. I don't know who that is. Exactly, that's the point. Yes, brilliant. Uh, okay, so go go over there, subscribe, uh, and we'll have a good time there. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Um, we'll see you again real soon on the front three. Saturday, in fact.